0: Hello, I'm your host, Effie Pilarino, and today I am joined uh, by a guest that that, uh, is not uh, the first time. This is Helen Lee. Welcome, Helen. Um, Helen is is the CEO and founder of Go Impact. She is top influencer, thought leader, the point person in the APAC region, and, and a top voice around sustainability and impact, so of course we'll be talking about these very important topics, the opportunities, our responsibilities, and the challenges in this sector. So Helen, where are you joining us from today?
1: Yes. Yes. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Uh, you know, I think we got people dialing in from from everywhere. I'm joining you from Singapore, which is our second business hub in APAC. The other one being in Hong Kong. Excellent. Excellent.
0: So, so let's uh, um, start by discussing, you know, the complexity of the net zero journey it, uh, from from you know this past year there's been clearly an increased buy-in from businesses around net zero goals and actions and and setting um, their uh, uh, strategies around their net zero journey. But it seems that it's very complex. So could you explain to us the complexity around this net
1: zero journey? Yes, that's actually a a, a great and painful uh, question, Effie. I think the the real challenges around net zero, um, it's not in why we are doing it. We are beyond that. It's in the what and the how. How do we actually move from making pledges to taking actions? How do we bring to reality and bring to fruition uh, the pledges? that we are making uh, in terms of decarbonization and that whole net zero journey. So as part of COP26 from last year in November in Glasgow, I think there has been various momentum being made in terms of scaling back on coal fire, uh, you know, fossil fuel, in terms of transitioning to cleaner energy, and in terms of overall energy efficiency. But if you look at some of these in more detail, the implementation is actually far more difficult. If you look at carbon, you know, um, tracking carbon emission in general, you, you cannot manage something that you cannot track efficiently, right? So scope one, scope two, and scope three, the three scopes of carbon emission, scope three still remains the big elephant in the room that you know, everybody is just struggling how to come to terms with that, how to measure and to track that effectively. And scope three involves the whole ecosystem of carbon emissions generated in your whole value chain, in the way you do your business operations, in the way you interact with your suppliers, with various stakeholders upstream as well as downstream. And nobody has really cracked the code, if you like, in grappling with this huge issue. And that is very essential to making uh, bold moves uh, in terms of achieving net zero. So that that lies a huge challenge. The other challenge, obviously, is also in um, the harmonisation of standards globally. You know, um, you know, without a harmonised set of standards, uh, then you know it, it really doesn't help uh, for for corporates or for regulators uh, to 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 look at this and and to you know bat this down uh, effectively.
0: So from from what you said, it seems to me that we we need a lot of um, investments and innovation in uh, data that um, is available uh, and is reliable and fairly real-time data across these uh, supply chains or value chains and, and, I guess, partner and ecosystem so we can measure what is going on. And it seems to me that if we do that, we could benefit in other areas because if we have that data, we could have a, a complete picture of cybersecurity risks, for example, across the value chain and other financial risks that could have ripple effects on us. So this is something that I think if platforms and, and um, interoperability is built across these value chains, then we will have a lot of benefits. And I guess we are not doing this or we are doing this and it's not um, put together yet. It's, it's very
1: scattered. It's work in progress. Uh, You know, from from here in Singapore, for instance, I know that the monetary authority here has initiatives to build a platform that looks at, you know, um, platformizing and aggregating um, data, including third party uh, data, which is, uh, again, you know, another elephant in the room uh, for this. So definitely the data gap is a huge pain point. We all know that. I believe there are initiatives uh, across the globe that are working on that. Um, Have we cracked it completely? No, Uh, but it is very much work in progress. The other thing I want to point out also as part of the challenge apart from data is that net zero and decarbonization means different things to different sectors. Okay, so that whole roadmap to to net zero uh, would look very different if you are uh, a, a real estate conglomerate or if you are a supply chain company, or if you are an FMCG uh, company or hospitality company. So it's very crucial that you do have the generalists, the talents on board to help you map out that strategy and the roadmap that it makes the best sense in your business context as well. What are some of the savings? What are some of the efficiencies that the benefit of the business could benefit from? And I think on that, you need to build a talent pipeline. We just simply don't have enough of that. And education is really at the core of this.
0: So I I know that you are involved and passionate about education, and that's part of uh, what you're offering through Go Impact. So are you telling us that by industry, there's a different uh, framework that needs to be Um, adapted, adopted rather, uh, to to be able to
1: reach those goals? Um, Yes, to a large extent, but also there are commonalities. Say for instance, you know, at Go Impact, you know, the the learning, you know, we are trying to bridge that uh, skills gap, if you like, and to build that talent pipeline that we badly need to drive the sustainability, the ESG agenda. Without the talents, uh, you you just cannot move effectively uh, on that, whether you are a financial institution or you are a real estate uh, player. So there are various commonalities, I believe, that can be transferred and are common across sectors, but there are also sector-specific adaptations or tweaks to that that people need to be mindful of and sensitive to as they roll out a roadmap uh, for their respective companies or their respective organizations. And this is where a lot of the practical learning that we are doing uh, uh, comes in to help because people don't just need a theoretical framework. Now the executives don't just need a a theory and nice looking slides on what it could look like. They need tips and tools and they need um, you know, um, experiential learning, okay, blended learning, that they can generate lessons learned and mistakes not to be repeated from other people's use cases, from other um, you know, um, um, experiences and, and knowledge. So that use case based and expert led learning is an area that we feel is very lacking. And based on the business traction we had, it seems to be playing at the sweet spot of you know bridging the sales uh, the skills gap as well as building the talent pipeline
0: so let's let's talk about financial services where where you come from and I come from and, and so on and and in that area you know one of the most well known challenges and and issues is the issue of greenwashing uh, in in investments and I was reading Helen just recently that in, in the UK uh, there's going to be serious um, regulation around penalizing asset managers that offer products that are really greenwashing and therefore are not uh, uh, honest and, and they don't represent in the fiduciary duty sense what they claim they they represent. So how do you um, address these issues for financial uh, services and and in what regions, jurisdictions, do you see progress around this?
1: That's a a huge question and I think um, Effie, in addition to the UK, a situation that you mentioned. I'm sure people would have read recently. Uh, you know, a, a very high profile case of a Germany, you know, a German based, um, you know, large asset management firm that were raided by the German regulators uh, for misrepresentation of some of their funds. You know, a, a total AUM of two billion U.S. Uh, dollars, and the CEO having to resign hours after that raid by the the local regulators. So all that points to one thing. I think the 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 real problem about greenwashing is not just in uh, people that are doing it, or 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 you know regulators, uh, criteria are they um, tough enough uh, to to enforce that? It's that trust deficit, that credibility gap that you know greenwashing is causing, you know among investors among the public. If the investors in the public feel that we can't trust you guys anymore. Okay. We, we, we don't know what's credible versus what's not credible. There's not a very easy way for us to tell uh, how our money, our capital is being deployed, is, is working. So that trust deficit and credibility gap is something that the the, the sustainability agenda, the ESG agenda, cannot afford, you know, globally. You know, um, the problems are too huge. Uh, we are running out of time. And to have the tr- trust deficit on top of this, it's, it's not going to help the agenda at all. So I do believe that regulators uh, and policymakers have a, a very you know key role to play in this. And I'm very happy to say that both in Singapore and in Hong Kong, uh, the, the monetary authorities have heightened uh, their measures in terms of more robust criteria. Um, for the disclosure and to avoid and to address this problem of greenwashing. I'm sure, you know, in other parts of the world is the same. And I think um, all this would mean that um, for asset managers, uh, as well as for banking institutions and so on, uh, the bar is set higher and higher on this. And I think this is a very good thing uh, for the agenda. Great. So
0: so what are the going to be the, the big topics in the, the next co-op? And, and what do you expect and hope for
1: in terms of, of progress? It's true, huh? COP27 uh, taking place in Egypt is just around the corner in November. How COVID have blurred the timeline for so many of us. Mm. Uh, it's like one day flows on to another and one month flows on to another gosh but yes i think riding on you know the key takeaways from cop26 such as you know public and private funding probably needs to connect more in order to drive the agenda more effectively and how the the kind of you know uh uh, uh transitioning away from fossil fuel uh can take place um i think for COP27 is really bedding down a lot of these. And as we know, uh, you know the crisis in Europe uh, have really exposed uh, a lot of the you know energy shortage, food shortage, that sometimes could be a momentary setback for the ESG agenda. It's sort of like people feel sometimes that, hey, there's an energy crisis, there's a food shortage crisis. We cannot worry about clean energy uh so much we need the fossil fuel back we need to you know we need the power we need to generate the power um and uh, not at a huge cost uh, to our existing gdp this is very you know challenging markets that we are we are all in and with the recession with inflation uh, a lot of huge problems uh, that touch across sectors you might feel that this has pushed back the agenda a little bit, but I do feel that it's also at the same time uh, driving people to to look at the whole energy transition uh, um, implementation more real because they know that they just cannot be so, so dependent on fossil fuel uh, that this simply that huge dependency. uh, There needs to be a way out of it and we need to invest and transition uh, a way out of it. So I do believe that... um, at COP twenty seven, bedding some of these down would be very much on top of the agenda uh, for everybody there.
0: Ellen, you touched upon a, an important point. Uh, you know this uh, macroeconomic uh, challenging environment that uh, uh, is worrisome in in that uh, we might, in this uncertain and and stressful environment, forget about what. Our purpose was and and our values, and just act out of uh, fear and stress and and fall back to uh, patterns and choices that we had before, just as we had started, uh, you know, uh, uh, working towards becoming more aligned with the set of values that the SDGs have. One uh, bright spot that I'd like to to mention and share with you and our audience is that the younger generation remains very committed and very aligned to these principles, the the, the principles that we're talking about. And, And I'm reading continuously that they want to take jobs, with employers that not only do the right thing, you know, in their business, but also are joined by customers that are also aligned with those values. Of course, this might become more difficult, but it's in these challenging times that we see, you know, who takes a stance and who can really, uh, um, it, keep this message and, and the values clear when it the, the skies are not so clear, right?
1: Yes, 100%, um, you know, Effie. And, you know, in Asia, we have a saying that in every crisis, there is an opportunity. So we are faced with an existential threat and a crisis that we have never seen before, that humankind has never seen before. But with it also comes huge opportunities um, that we have never seen before as well. So I do believe that through the ups and downs, uh, it's never a a straight curve, Mm -hmm. uh, one way or another, there will be ups and downs. Uh, You know, we must never lose sight on the important priorities. And I think sustainability is not just a PR slogan, it's not just something, uh, a conference agenda, it's something that affects our survival. Uh, that affects our economy, and really, at the core of it is the existence of us and our planet.
0: a hundred percent. And I mean, we could be talking for hours about climate risk and and how to to deal with that and and how to uh, think uh, at um at the level where we feel that we are one with the environment because obviously we depend on on the soil, on the water. On the air, even though we have been very disconnected uh, through our uh, sort of contemporary life, right? And we don't think when we buy vegetables and fruits in the supermarket where they're coming from and what quality they are, uh, depending on on all our other uh, behaviors. So tell us about Go Impact. What are you do? What are your offerings? Who are you working with? What are your big plans and the progress that's happened over the past
1: year? Hey, uh, thank you, Effie. I think um, COVID, one of the silver lining has been that it's pushed sustainability agenda to the forefront. So it was if it was on somebody's back burner before, it's really now moved you know, shifted to front and center stage. So we've been really gaining very rapid traction uh, with a lot of leading universities out of Singapore, Hong Kong, the Middle East, um, you know, Thailand, uh, and so on. And and um, through them, we've been able to influence a lot of big corporates, uh, financial institutions, as well as uh, really just um, you know the the, the 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 corporate sector at large. And as I mentioned before. Um, you know our programs are pitching at two things, establishing that common baseline of knowledge that everybody will need in order to turn the talk into action, and also to go a little bit deeper uh, into specific areas whereby the talent pipeline needs to be built. So we, we are doing two things at the same time, bridging the skills gap, building that common baseline, and, and as well as building the the talent pipeline, and I think on that, we've been doing a lot of, you know, a a lot of progress uh, in APAC, Uh, we just closed our A-round fundraising, Um, you know, we're very positive, very happy to say we are already, um, you know, um, revenue positive, uh, which is um, a a, a big milestone for us, Um, and as well as poised very well to uh, move towards a, a, a more blended micro learning, okay, because we feel that um, ultimately to reach more people uh, in a more exponential way, micro-learning is the way to go. Uh, so and, so uh,
0: for now, has uh, the learning uh, being your learnings, um, your teachings being distributed mainly through educational institutions like universities and maybe through some of the learning uh, uh, programs within corporates, but now you are you opening this up to modules uh, that anyone could I could get a certification in, in a certain area it, it tell us a little bit more
1: yeah I think that's the direction that we are working on okay so we've been you know quite fortunate um in in building that you know certain high standards in terms of some of the synchronous learning that we do partner with universities and other education institutes but also with um you know, accreditation platforms. Uh, you know, a, in APAC and MENA, so that we actually provide the uh, finance industry and other corporate executives uh, with that level of accredited skills that they will need to tackle this. But we need to move beyond that, um, you know. So, and that's where you know, democratizing it uh, and making it accessible through microlearning and in a, in a mobile manner, so you can learn it anytime, all the time, uh, everywhere, and anywhere. Uh, that will be the next step for us.
0: Uh, that 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 is amazing. It, it, give us uh, some uh, an idea, sort of like um, a sample, an appetizer of some of the the topics of of these micro learnings. What what could we expect?
1: I think um, again we will modularize it based on you know uh, there are some very generalist uh, topics that people can look at, okay, I'm more interested in supply chain. I'm more interested in carbon management and so on that they can look at. But there will also be some more specialist uh, topics, okay, that when people want to take a deeper dive into some of the tips and tools in these areas, uh, if they want to learn the latest uh, requirements uh, in terms of reporting and disclosure, uh, which is a huge topic, obviously, that it's not... uh, a, a. a, a statutory one. It, it's something that moves. You know, it's not a stationary one. It's something that moves. So we we do have generalist and specialist tracks, and we see that being modularized so that it can suit um, the the needs um, and the and the demands of a broader base of people that we really need to reach out to.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I imagine that, as you said before, different industries have different um, concerns and should have different concerns, so they could. Take these modules and put together what makes sense to them as a as a portfolio of of learnings uh, that makes exactly. sense for 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 their business and and their
1: uh, their business model really who 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 are they interacting with? And in a more ready to go and less customized manner, because anything that requires a, a huge amount of customization would obviously take a lot of time. Uh, and a lot of expenses in order to come up with it. But if there are something that can be modularized that people can adapt and mix and match, then it it just makes that whole experience that much more frictionless, to use a very fintech term. So you take some of the friction and some of the the challenges and and the time consuming uh, kind of elements, uh, you know, out of it. Uh, if you have something, uh, you know, a platform like that.
0: In terms of of geographic um, uh, sort of outlook, where do you see the most appetite uh, for 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 your offerings, the most interest and in, and in passion, if you want, for this? And where is it more difficult for you to sell, and and therefore people
1: or businesses are not? Well, I would there. not make a distinction between regions. Um, you know, as to you know what's more difficult or what's more easy, I think this is an agenda that hits everybody, and we yeah. do see the interest um a- across regions. But obviously, um APAC uh, is, you know, our our home base, where we have a lot of use case, a lot of underground experts, but we also have a lot of global experts in different subject matters. So the subject matter expertise that we can draw on, say from organizations like the World Bank or the IFC or the UN and so on, that makes a lot of difference to our programs as well. So I, I hate to, to confine it to a, a kind of region, region. Uh, versus region uh, outlook. I believe the need is there. Um, And, um, you know, I I also believe that collaboration is a competitive advantage. So we're also very open to collaborating with others that might have, you know, subject matter expertise in Europe or North America. And we can complement that from APAC and the Middle East. And uh, that that could work out well as well, because ultimately, this is going to be an important agenda that we are running out of time uh, to deliver on.
0: Yeah, and so so from what you just mentioned, I understand that you are already collaborating with big organizations or with industry experts and in bringing all this expertise together in in a in a way to benefit your your um, clients and those that are very interested um, in, in learning. So, what is your before we close, Helen? What is your personal tips in terms of what you've changed in your life to, to sort of be more in alignment with the, the sustainable behaviors that we all want to, you know, um, uh, live as, as people and as, as businesses? Obviously, your business is dedicated to this. How are you behaving and change, how have you changed over time?
1: You know, it's it's actually the baby steps for me in our personal lives that matters the most because people often think what I do is so unimportant. Uh, it, it doesn't really move the needle. And if all of us, you know, think like that, then nothing will happen, right? We all think that what we can do is so unimportant, that you know whether I do it or not uh, does not make a difference, but that is not true. So some of the baby steps that you know I like to share that we we are doing. Um, first, um, I think we we uh, we take a lot more public transport. Okay, so so that that actually and and we are fortunate to be in in locations where public transport system is very efficient. So what that means is that uh, it it lowers the carbon emission. Okay, and secondly. Um, I think we we have one day in the week where our teams in Hong Kong and Singapore uh, call an impact day, okay? okay? So what that means is not just a day where you don't need to be in the office or, or whatever, because ultimately COVID have taught us that we can work efficiently from home or from the office. But the impact day is really meant for um, our colleagues and our team members to go out there find things that can help to make an impact or you know look at um, wetland reserves how the mangroves help to hold you know the, the 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 soil and um you know help to alleviate the problem of sea sea level increase and all that to see it for yourself uh and to have take that opportunity to also re-energize and share with other team members uh, what you have seen and your experience. So I, I do believe that that impact day have really, you know, make, make some difference um, to, to, to our team dynamics. Uh, and it's always those little baby steps that, that really matter for each and every one of us, I think.
0: I love that, share uh, because you're really uh, inspiring um, everybody to sort of go beyond the the head, the mental thought of what is good to do and and really experience it, you know, uh, um, where it is. Uh, The example that you brought is a wonderful example. I
1: love that. Thank you very much, Helen. Uh, Thank you so much, Effie. It's always a pleasure chatting with you and thank you everyone else for listening in. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore Tech News. On Facebook, Facebook facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, LinkedIn linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, Instagram instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE. And on TikTok, TikTok tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.